From CITI Program, I'm Darren Gaddis, and this is On Campus. Today, what do students need to know to stay safe on campus? How the Cleary Act supports students after an incident on campus, and how the Cleary Act allows students to advocate for change. I spoke with Lorna Fink, an experienced higher education consultant with multiple years of experience in compliance topics such as Title IX, Cleary Act, and others. As a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to provide legal advice or guidance. You should consult with your organization's attorney if you have questions or concerns about relevant laws and regulations in this podcast. Additionally, the views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the presenter. Hi, Lorna. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Darren. I'm excited to be here. This is a very important topic. How does the Cleary Act keep students safe on campus? You know, I think you could answer that in many different ways. But to me, the first things that really come to mind are concepts of kind of transparency and empowerment. I can explain kind of what I mean by that. The Cleary Act in its essence and kind of its true intent really gives students and their parents, frankly, um, control over information, right? So think of it from the perspective of like consumer protections. The Cleary Act permits and requires institutions to disclose crime statistics, to issue timely warnings or emergency notifications, to have daily crime logs that are anyone can ask for and are required to receive, um, and then also to publish an annual security report. So when I'm talking transparency and empowerment, from the perspective of a student or a parent helping um, their child to select a college or university that they want to attend, this information is readily available. And frankly, I think that people probably are not aware of that or underutilize it. So from the transparency perspective, this information is there for you to make effective and thoughtful choices about how to enjoy your college and university experience in the safest manner possible. But then also what happens when you're you're on campus is the Cleary Act um, continues to provide transparency and empowerment for students to ensure that one, there are processes and procedures for reporting incidents that fall under the Cleary Act for those campus crimes, um, to make sure that they have the information available to them to understand how to navigate reporting procedures. Thanks, Lorna. You talked a lot about transparency and empowerment and empowering students on campus. In what ways does the Clary Act support students after an incident on campus? It's a great question. So I think going back to kind of prior answers, the most important thing is that the Clary Act gives students the information they need in writing in advance of making a report. So the hope would be that once an incident has occurred, students can access that information and choose a reporting avenue that they're most comfortable with. So after that incident has happened and they are now involved in some type of reporting or resolution process, the Clery Act, and we're specifically really talking about um, in many ways the Violence Against Women Act amendments to the Clery Act, we're really talking about kind of mandates for disclosure of campus disciplinary proceedings. Specifically, per the Clery Act and those amendments, students can expect, if not demand, frankly, they should be empowered to demand these things. Um, that there are prompt and fair and impartial resolution procedures. So really, when we're talking about supporting students, one of the things that I think of is protecting those students' rights as well. What should students know about the Clery Act in protecting their own rights? Yeah, that is also a great question. It kind of, again, feeds on what we were just talking about. So 
When students are involved in the resolution of these pretty traumatic incidents, um, they have a right to mandate and expect certain certain rights. But let's talk really about what those might be. The, the Clery Act gives students the opportunity to present uh, witnesses, to bring forth others that can provide context or information. Um, most importantly, they have a right to have an advisor of their choosing participate. And I really think that's significant. Uh, the, the idea that a student in the moment of you know, dealing with the traumatic impact of an incident, and truly on either side, right, an individual that's been accused of misconduct, that's quite a traumatic experience. And the process, despite our best efforts of resolving these allegations or incidents, can be quite significant and impactful. So the ability to have an advisor of your choosing that can be present during any meeting or proceeding related to the resolution of this incident I think that's pretty significant. And it allows people to have someone that's there just for them to make sure that they understand the process, someone that they can take a break during a pretty intense process and just have them there for support. Sometimes to feel like you're just not alone, that's a big deal. So while it's one sentence in the Clery Act, you know, you have the right to be accompanied by an advisor of your choosing. To me, that's one of the most significant things. And that can generally be an attorney as well. So you have the ability to advocate for yourself to the best of your abilities. You also have a right to transparency. And what I really mean by that is impacted parties and accused individuals can receive and are required to receive simultaneous written notifications throughout the entire resolution process. So that could be notification of allegations, procedure, um, reasons for a delay if a process is extended, the outcome, right? That's really important. The outcome from an administrative or disciplinary hearing. Um, And then also, most importantly, they now have the opportunity, or per the Clery Act, to appeal the results of those disciplinary proceedings um, and to get written notification of that outcome. So those rights are really, really important. And I think they're things that we now maybe take for granted, but to consider the impact of when these rights were put in place, how significant that must have been for students involved in those cases at that time, um, and how overlooked I think the importance of those rights are. Lorna, we've talked a lot about support and empowerment, but how does the Clery Act allow students to advocate for change on their campus? First step is students should recognize that while institutions try their best to do what they're required to do and go above and beyond that to do what is best for their students and members of their community, sometimes things are overlooked. Some campuses may not be complying or complying fully or there may be mistakes made in certain cases. So the first thing is to recognize there are people on each campus that they can go to to say, hey, I think that the rights afforded to me under the Clery Act have been violated. Should that not receive a proper response, students and staff alike have the ability to file complaints with the federal government for um, reports of failure to comply with the Clery Act. So they have that enforcement mechanism. I certainly hope it never gets to that point but they should feel empowered to know that these are rights afforded to them by their campus university um, because the university or college wants to do this. This is something that the federal government is saying, you student are entitled to this. So they should feel empowered to advocate and exercise their own rights. Um, but beyond that, I think the coolest part of the, the Clery Act um, is the focus on training and prevention. And this is where students can really, really get engaged. So institutions are required to do primary prevention and awareness programming. So we're really focusing on kind of that first point of engagement for new students and new staff when they come in. 
Um, but then also ongoing prevention and awareness. And this is throughout students' entire uh, academic career at that institution. And we're really focusing under the Cleary Act's guidelines on certain areas, but the key is prevention. So these trainings and programs might include things like bystander intervention um, or risk reduction, but at its core, it's really talking about what are prohibited behaviors? How do we understand them and define them? How do we resolve them? But most importantly, how can we work as a community to feel comfortable preventing these incidents and stepping in to support our peers? And that's where students can really get engaged to make change on their campus. As an administrator, I love it when students come to me and say, how can I get involved in programs? How can I learn to be a better bystander? How can I be a peer leader or a peer educator? And we lean on them to tell us, you know, what's going on? What are students facing day to day? And how can we tailor our programs to intervene and provide support in a way that is student-centered and really meets them where they're at? So if students want to get involved, if they want to make change on their campus, one of the best ways to do that is through engaging in proactive programming and working with your Title IX office, your Clery office, student affairs, academics, to make sure that that programming is not just a check-the-box compliance prevention program, but is actually effective. Students can really make a difference there. So I encourage any student that may listen to this to contact the staff on their campus hosting these programs, get involved, learn about your campus community, and help make a difference on your campus through these programs and efforts. Lorna, what else do we need to know? You know, I think this is an interesting time for the Cleary Act. Um, we saw in 2020 some major changes to Title IX, and specifically it's kind of jurisdictional reach. So Title IX really applies to a certain subset of sexual harassment, including sexual assault, dating violence, domestic violence, and stalking, like the Cleary Act does, and in fact incorporated those Cleary Act definitions. Um, but it applies to incidents that occur within an institution's programs or activities. The Cleary Act can fill the gap, frankly, in those cases that previously fell under Title IX, but no longer do due to the new regulations. And I do think that the, the government, the Department of Education is going to have to work to realign these two things. Um, but for now, I think students and staff alike should feel safe that the Cleary Act is still in effect and it complements Title IX. It's not competing with it. Um, and many times they overlap. But for those cases that do not fall under Title IX anymore, the Clery Act is there to help and to make sure that those rights and protections that we've talked about today are still afforded and respected for all parties involved. Lorna, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, this has been great. And I hope the students and staff alike know that they have rights and they're empowered to use them on their campuses. Be sure to follow, like, and subscribe to On Campus with CITI program to stay in the know. I also invite you to review our content offerings regularly as we are continually adding new courses and webinars that may be of interest to you. All of our content is available to you anytime through organizational and individual subscriptions. You may also be interested in CITI Programs False Claims Act, a primer and guide for research organizations course. Please visit the CITI Programs website to learn more about all of our offerings.